Friday. It is October 6th here on the Just Baseball Show. You got Arm Layden. I'm Peter Apple. And in a couple of minutes, we are going to go through our division series, championship series, and World Series predictions again. But this time, special guest Walker Bueller of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think he's going to have some choice words about how his team will do in the playoffs, which starts on Saturday. And all of it is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code JustBaseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. And if that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled gambling problem call or text 1-800-GAMBLER must be 21 or older and terms and conditions apply before we get into our short intro about billy epler i'm patting myself on the back arm twins to win the series twins money line game one twins money line game two they were the better team over the toronto blue jays and i never really am a guy to pat myself on the back but the reason i am doing it arm is because blue jays fans wanted to kill me i we posted that on social media we posted it on YouTube, even though that's also kind of social media. And I was getting DMs from Blue Jays fans saying I'm a casual saying they're never listening to the show. They hated the prediction. So I'm only ever going to pat myself on the back when a fan base comes after me, Arm. So I'm feeling good right now on this Friday. On this, this Friday, this isn't the first time you've uh, complained about the way that uh, Toronto fans have, have treated you, which is funny because I thought I thought Canadians are the friendliest of people. We're just not when it comes to the baseball. No, I think it's me. It's my yeah, it's by the way. They just have it out for me. Well, also, you're a Yankees guy. So it's like, oh, Yankees guy fading the Blue Jays. Like, I haven't heard this one before. Yeah, it's probably just like a screw you. Uh, which and I, I get. The- if I was a Blue Jays fan, I'd fucking hate the Yankees. <laughs> and I'd hate I you. I get it. I get it. But I picked the Rays to win the World Series. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that too. Yeah, so take the, the at least. back. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking that all the way back because, oh, man, I was so right on the Twins. Holy shit, I was wrong on the Tampa Bay Rays. And now in a couple of minutes, we get to hear Walker's predictions. Hopefully they won't be as bad slash good as mine. <laughs> Arm Layton, before we get to those predictions, Billy Epler, the, man, uh, the general manager of the New York Mets, stepped down. And now we're hearing rumblings of Phantom IL stints. Yeah. Broke it's- the rules. What's the read here? It's funny because it's something that, you know, teams have done and teams still do and will do and will continue to do. Um, it's just kind of like an accepted uh, like gray area in Major League Baseball, which you know, for those who don't totally understand the Phantom IL aspect of things, like there's a few different reasons why you could put a guy in the Phantom IL. You could have a roster crunch, a guy that, you know, is barely good enough to be on the 26 man roster, but you don't want to quite DFA him. And, and players aren't pissed to be on the, on the phantom IL because either you're struggling and you're getting a breather or, you know, you were going to get DFA'd and now you, you accrue service time when you're on the IL. So uh, that side of it, like it's something that, you know, players, I don't think really care too much about. It's obviously a loophole that allows teams to, to do things and, I think if teams abuse it, I think it's almost like this unspoken rule where, yeah, you could use it in some one-offs. Like I'm fairly positive. We could come up with a couple instances where teams have used it. What are you going to say? No, he's not hurt. Uh, You're supposed to have documentation like with a doctor uh, that kind of, I guess, highlights the injury to support the injury claim. But what's interesting is I guess Billy Epler maybe didn't do that. Maybe he pushed it even further and like just jumped way past the gray area. Like you have to do something extremely wrong to 
get in trouble for something that everybody else does. So I'm, I'm assuming he's probably skipped aspects of the procedure and probably, you know, pushed the boundaries of it, um, which again are unspoken, but this hasn't really been a problem in a while. Yeah. It's interesting because it's almost like tampering where um, I think yeah, like it was Jimmy Butler it. in the NBA kind of came out. He said, look into the bucks, but every team kind of does it, but then it gets egregious. I'm sure that's what kind of happened with Billy Epler because, you know, I'm starting to see Mets fans on Twitter pull up old 60 day IL guys, or he was put on the IL for this reason. And them asking, was this it right? Tim LaCastro for, I think it was Jolly Olive who does, who does really great work on Twitter. He's a great follow. Um, Mentioned Tim LaCastro being put on the 60 day IL for a thumb injury. Seemed a little bit aggressive. Yeah. yeah. So, and the Mets did just bring in David Stearns to kind of run the show. So I think it was kind of a twofold approach. Yeah. Billy Epler knew that he probably broke the rules. He knew that David Stearns was coming in. So I'm sure it was mutual that both parties parted way. We were kind of wondering where he fits into this whole thing. And that was a conversation I think I had with Jack a week or so ago where it's like, you know, I think he can actually be a good Robin to Batman. And when he's tried to be Batman, he hasn't been great. And, and but he's had success in, you know, other roles in a front office. So, yeah, I, I do. I do think that there was a level of like, hey, you know, I'm willing to do this, see how it goes. And then the second that uh, some controversy was tied to him, it's like, OK, not worth it. And even that for said himself, like in the statement, which I actually genuinely believe is like, I wanted David Stearns to to, to or sorry, I wanted Stearns to have like just a, a clear, like clean slate when he when he takes over. And, and, and I kind of get that, you know, that's something that, you know, I think just out of respect. And I, I think a lot of people respect Stearns and, you know, you don't want to be a guy that's just attaching more controversy. I'm sure they would have probably eventually fired him or maybe would have with this investigation. But um yeah, I mean, that's not something that Stearns deserves to jump right into. Right. And and I'm sure that he might have had an idea that this might be coming. And if it was probably one of the stipulations was, hey, you know, if this starts to become a legitimate investigation, I'm sorry, like I'm going to need Billy up or gone if I'm jumping onto this this team and taking over the front office. So, um yeah, I, I mean, Epler's not great anyway. We talked about all that. So I don't I think it's probably good for the Mets. I think it's it's better off for Stearns to be able to kind of fill out his staff the way he wants to and and clear the, the controversy and start with a clean slate. Yeah, if I'm a Mets fan, I have to be excited. You got Steve Cohen's bank account mixed in with David Stern's incredibly yeah. large brain. If I'm a Mets fan, I'm very excited. But baseball fans, I hope you're excited because we're about to predict the World Series winner go through the bracket with Dodgers All-Star World Series champion, Walker Bueller. All right, we're talking more playoffs with Walker Bueller here. I'm Arm Waiting. He's Peter Apple. And of course, Walker Bueller. Walker, this wild card round, like it was fun, but also I, I would love to have seen one of those series go an extra game. Like, it, don't you feel weird in the middle of the playoffs having like a multi day layoff here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Shows you the strengths and the weaknesses of the three game, right? Because back to back games can happen pretty quick. It's it's like super regionals in college, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes you have these big series, and sometimes they feel like they never really get off the ground. And um, so I don't know. I'm still kind of up in the air on the one game versus three game stuff. And but you know, I think the cons of the one game is you know we had I think we won a hundred and something games and played a one gamer and could have been out right a few yeah. years ago. So. So where are you leaning on the one game versus three game? I know you kind of broke down. There's pros and cons to both. For me, I'm leaning towards the three game because selfishly, I just like more baseball. And I really like the point you made about how you can have this incredible regular season and it could end. You know, we see like in that twin series, Royce Lewis hit two home runs and then the game is basically over. Like that shouldn't end your season. But then in the second game, the twins ended up winning. So for me, selfishly, I want three games because I want more baseball. But if you kind of had to make that decision, do you think three is better than one? Yeah, I, I like the three game. And it's actually kind of, you know, having gone through this whole thing, what I really like about it, honestly, is the teams that win divisions and aren't in the wild card. The other teams are going to have to start their third starter at best in game one, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a an advantage that people don't really talk about, right? Clayton 
if we play five games, Clayton will get to throw twice. As opposed to Arizona, it'll be kind of tough for Gallon to to throw two games unless he goes on short. And so that's um, an advantage that I, I think people don't really talk about quite as much that I think is the right thing. You, you know, we play so many games, you play 162, and to not get a real advantage over being better for 162 – I think is a little bit crazy. So I like the way that it's set up now. And, um, you know, I think for those teams that lose two in a row and their season's over, it's just kind of part of the part of the deal. Last thing on on the wild card front is, you know, all, all three, if there are three games do happen to be, you know, on the road, if you're the wild card team, you know, below it is, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it. There's the, Hey, I dominated for 162 or I was better for 162. Do you think that's, a fair enough advantage to have three straight home games? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly an advantage, obviously, with travel and staying in your own room or your, you know, your own house, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't I don't see needing to make the three games an extra day longer for travel, right? And yeah. then then what do you play the first game of a series at the at the lesser seeds place and then go to you know, it's just it's a difficult thing in terms of scheduling. I think three games is is a series and, and that's kind of what we normally play. And and so to go play, be somewhere for three or four days is, is very uh, routine for us. And, and I think um, probably is, is the right amount of advantage for the, for the higher seed. Among all the series, were there any shockers for you? Because all the teams of course are good and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. But for me personally, I thought the Brewers versus Diamondback series was going to be really competitive, right? The Brewers have, mm-hmm. and we keep banging the same drum of, they have Burns, they have Woodruff, yeah. they have Peralta. And of course, losing Woodruff stinks, but yeah. you still want Burns and Peralta. Gallon's great, but I was really impressed with the Diamondbacks bullpen, right? They yeah. came in and shut the door on multiple occasions, and that was the perceived quote-unquote weakness. And it right. wasn't really a weakness. It was just everyone knew about Corbin Carroll and how good this offense was and how much they run on you. And then they're stud starting pitchers, but the bullpen really came through were the Diamondbacks more of a shocker for you or did everything kind of go how you thought it would? No, I mean, obviously the, the Woodruff thing is is tough for Milwaukee. We played them in 2020 and they had a similar deal. I forget. I think it was Corbin that went down at, at the end of that year. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they always have pitching and, and dealing with their bullpens specifically in 18. I remember was such a huge deal for us. We obviously played seven games against them to go to the World Series. So um, you know, they're, they're built that way. But I think the thing with Arizona is, you know, we always talk about the huge guys that get traded, the Scherzers, the Verlanders, this kind of stuff at the deadline. But, you know, Seawall gets the the last out of that series, right? And and people don't really talk about, you know, the eighth or ninth inning guy from Seattle that gets traded to Arizona at the deadline, but um, kind of shows you what they thought of their team at the time and obviously put together a run and, and got in the playoffs. And, and now they get to play you know, at least three more games because of it and um, get those young guys three, four or five more games at least of of playoff experience. And, and I think that's huge for them going forward. I obviously, you know, believe we'll, we'll beat them or whatever, but, um, you know, for them to go from not making the playoffs or, or it being a little while to now having this young core and, and getting them a couple series at least, um, I think is huge. And, and, kind of validates them making, you know, a couple moves here and there at the, at the deadline. We're going to get to, you know, the predictions. And I think you, you alluded to the (laughs) unsurprising Dodgers prediction, but there's, there's a point you bring up there that I think fans like to think about, but can't really contextualize. And it's the experience and how, how valuable can three, four more games be for these guys? Can you speak to that a little bit further in terms of just, for a young player like Corbin Carroll, for a young player like Gabriel Moreno and, 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 and other teams too, like a Royce Lewis, all these young guys, how valuable are these handful of games and, and what does it do for you moving forward as, as a young player? Yeah. I mean, I think it's huge. I think the biggest thing in the playoffs or, or when you get there the first time is just how big it feels. Right. And, you know, for me, I, I guess my rookie year would probably be the, the best example I have. I got very lucky and then I threw game one sixty three before I had to pitch in the playoffs. Right essentially a playoff game. And for us, it kind of felt like that. Um, got to pitching that before I pitched in the playoffs. Then my first two starts in 18 in the playoffs were not very good. We obviously have game against Atlanta that everyone keeps showing me the Acuna home run. It is what it is. 
he's obviously generational. So it is what it is. Then I pitch against Milwaukee at home, didn't throw very well. Then I started game seven in Milwaukee, was much better. And then I had a really good game in the World Series, right? You can see how it kind of gets easier and easier, even against probably better teams, right, as we went along. And um, so even for me, you know, two starts, everything kind of changes, right? And, and I was pretty well prepared for it, even with 163 and and still struggled. So, you know, I think for me, just starting pitching is a little bit different than playing center field or, or whatever, but every game you can get under these guys' belts makes makes the next year or the next game feel a little bit less intimidating, I guess. Who is the, uh, the player that wowed you the most from wildcard weekend? Just someone you watched on the TV and just thought to yourself, whoa, this guy is better um, than I thought he was. I think the Royce Lewis thing is probably the the story, right? He didn't play the last two weeks of the season and then goes off for two games. I think that was pretty impressive. And and I we've all kind of known how talented he is, obviously where he got picked and and whatever, but dealing with all the the injuries and kind of adversity that he's gone through. Um, I'm sure that was a, a big moment for him and, and for their team. You know, I don't know him at all personally, but they seem to really like him over there and, and for him to come back and, and have a couple moments like that, I think was huge for them. I want to stick in that series real quick because this is something that I, I, I figured I, I was like, I have to ask Walker about this. I, I, there was a lot of conversation about the way that they handled the, uh, I guess the staff uh, in that final game there where Jose Barrios goes three innings for the Blue Jays. And he was cruising, one earned run, but looked really sharp, you know, towards the, the the last four or five outs, punched out five. And it seemed like the plan all along was to bring in Yusei Kikuchi, who was, you know, warming up in the second inning. Uh, they didn't shut him down and slow him down after Barrios looked really sharp because it didn't matter. It seemed like it was the script. And, you know, John Schneider follows the script and, and goes out and, you know, pulls Barrios. Kikuchi comes in. Gives up three hits in an inning and two thirds, another run. And and I mean, it didn't matter. They didn't score anyways. But there was an aspect of this where it's like, I almost wonder if that took some wind out of their sails. What, what, where did you kind of put yourself at? Like, what were you thinking when that went down? I just would love a, a pitcher's perspective on, you know, pulling a guy in Barrios who was shoving for you mm-hmm. through three in a game where he's at his old home, clearly amped up, controlling that, that adrenaline well. And they just yank him after 47 pitches. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they in this scripted bringing guys, it's just hard, right? Like it's a hard situation because, you know, they've had all these conversations about, hey, we get to this run. We want this guy coming in, these lefties, whatever. And, you know, we've been on the other side of it in the World Series in 20 where Snell's rolling through us and they come and get him. And I, I remember in the dugout, us going, oh, we just won the World Series. Like, we we're still losing in the game. Like, we just won the World Series. And so, you know, you kind of watch how these things unfold. And then you look at guys like Bruce Bochy, who've done this a million times, and you're not having those questions about that, right? Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I I hate it. I You know, I would be very upset if it was me. And, and luckily, I haven't had that situation outside of, you know, my rookie year being kind of on pitch count, right? But that was still 75 pitches, right? Yeah. You can get into a game and, and things can develop. But, um, yeah, it's tough. You know, obviously Kikuchi had, had a pretty good year and is extremely talented. But, you know, you're paying Jose Jose Barrios or Barrios, however you say his name, to, to go and, and be able to win playoff games, right? Like, he's got the stuff and, and that's why he gets paid what he gets paid. And, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough deal. Yeah, to your point, seven years, $131 million contract. First tough season with the Jays last year, then comes back this year and looks all the part of that contract. He's facing a Twins team. He is a former twin, so there's got to be that revenge-type narrative there, or at least he wants to shove against them. And in the past, through 75 plate appearances against that current current Twins roster, 161 opponent batting average. That was going into that game then arm said that he allowed one a run he he was shutty like it was three innings five strikeouts and that one run was because kikuchi 
allowed that run to come in. And I posted on Twitter that Jose Brio should call the police. Like that was just (laughs) the worst thing that could possibly happen in that situation. So there's this constant back and forth between, you know, traditional baseball people and analytics. And you can kind of tell the organizations who do it best where it's a blend like the best organizations are able to see the momentum happening in the game that while Sonny Gray was also scoreless, Barrios looked better in that outing. So there's this constant back and forth. And that's why teams like the Dodgers teams, like the Braves, I even think the Rangers are starting to put themselves in that situation along with the Astros. And I think the Orioles are doing a pretty good job of it as well. So I don't really have a question for you. I just kind of wanted to yell. No, I, I mean, I, I think for me, the I think the analytics side of it in terms of roster construction, right, is really important. Like, you know, if you've got a heavy, heavily right-handed lineup that you're facing in a series, you probably will carry one or two more right-handed relievers, right? Or try and set up your rotation to have a righty go instead of a lefty if you have a choice, right? Or things like that. Or making sure that you have all the tools or the weapons that, that you can at your disposal. But... You know, in game, you've kind of got to have a little more feel to it, right? You just got beat the day before because Royce Lewis hits two homers, right? Right-handed hitter. Like, you probably want Barrios to face that guy, you know, in the third at bat instead of a lefty, right? So, you know, there's just little things from the day before that, you know, we all know how much momentum and and kind of guys are hot, guys are not, like, the guy's obviously swinging the bat well. He just beat you yesterday. Like, don't let him beat you again. Probably go with the righty. But, you know, as you said at the time, like, you don't know. It, you've got these scripts and these thoughts and these conversations that, you know, you, you're dealing with for three, four days, and then it comes down to one decision to, you know, take one step out of the dugout, and it, it, it ends up happening pretty quickly. You know, even no matter how long you've talked about that, it's hard to – run every single scenario while you're sitting there trying to make sure one more pitch doesn't get thrown. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting part of our game right now. On a positive side, we've talked about Nate Eovaldi quite a bit on the yep. show and, you know, a, a double TJ guy who you know, was pitching like a Cy Young candidate in the first half and then, you know, went down with, with a little bit of, of an arm issue, you know, right, right around the mid part started the second half of the season and when he came back, just didn't quite look like himself. I'm sure there was some urgency to just get back uh, and, you know, work through some of those kinks. And then has this postseason start where he looks like first half Cy Young, Nate Eovaldi. He goes six and two thirds, six hits, one run, eight Ks out there. I mean, how cool is that to see him again? Just you talk about adversity with Royce Lewis. Like, here's another guy has another blow at some point this year. And you had to wonder like, okay, how is he going to come back from this? Like there's not much precedence to double TJ and then another forearm strain. And he comes back and does this a hundred pitches, you know, on the biggest stage shuts down the race. How impressive was that? Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's kind of twofold, right? It, you're, we probably don't talk about him in terms of being one of the better playoff guys, but that's a good point too. You know, he's had some unbelievable appearances in the playoffs and, and against us out of the bullpen through seven on one or whatever. And, um, you know, I've just seen it kind of firsthand. And then obviously, um, you know, we've talked about him reaching out and stuff. So for, for me, it was, it was cool to watch him do that. Um, shows you kind of what the playoffs can do in terms of adrenaline and efficiency. I think adrenaline makes some guys more efficient and, and makes everything work a little cleaner. The, uh, you know, any little hang up, if that forearm was bothering him at all, he, he didn't feel it during that game. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, cool to watch and, and a pretty cool kind of case study. And, and you know, some guys are, are just built for for playoff baseball, and, and he's certainly one of them. I want to give Evaldi all the credit that he deserves because he deserves all of it. But the Rays put on a pretty pathetic performance, to be completely honest. I mean, 19,000 fans show up in the trop, the lowest attendance record since 1919. They score one run in the series, and it was late in the game. It's kind of like a garbage time touchdown. The pitchers looked fine, but they didn't look electric. And the offense just looked anemic, right? We're giving Evaldi the credit, too, because he's coming off those injuries. But then Jordan Montgomery also shoved against them. Yeah. Personally, I was very disappointed in the Rays because my Dom 
dumbass picked the Rays to win the World Series. So I'm sitting there <laughs> watching them, just thinking to myself, like, do I even know Ball Walker? I feel like I do, but I sometimes feel like I don't. Well, you know, I think the other thing that we probably don't talk about is, is just the injuries that they've had, right? In terms of the starting rotation, you know, they have guys now that are good and obviously threw the ball fine. But if you look at all the McClanahan and Rasmussen and Baz and all these guys that they lost, right? Like organizationally, that, that whole team, like they scrapped away, get to where they get, play really well. A lot of young guys played really well, but you still know you're not walking in there with your opening day starter, right? Or your guy that could have won the Cy Young. Like it's a different mentality when it's not third guy, second guy up. It, it's like seventh guy, right? It's, it's a tough, tough deal. And, um, you know, we'll see how, how our team handles that too. We you know, obviously have Clayton, but then you, then it's kind of the young guys after that and, and Lance. And, um, I think mentally that's a, it's a hurdle. Right. And, and obviously, you know, Tampa just couldn't, couldn't get over it, but they're also facing a really, really talented Rangers team. And in, in terms yeah. of, they have a lot of really good young players and, and then they were, they're paying six starting pitchers. Right. Um, you know, you're thinking about them without DeGrom, right? I think this is probably very unsurprising if they're going Scherzer DeGrom, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, everyone deals with it in some way, but I think especially Tampa where the payroll kind of dictates that they're not going to go and have these giant contracts and, and the names like like Texas can have, right? Um, more things seemingly have to have to kind of click for them to – to go and win big games like that. Of course, the only other series is the Marlins and, you know, I, the Marlins Philly series. I, we spent enough time on that. You know, my, my Marlins came up a little short. I was at that, <laughs> that second game. It was, uh, it was a cool experience at the bank. I, I, and I'm, I'm excited to, we'll get into that when we get to the prediction side, which is coming up right now. Um, and we'll kind of allude. I want to ask you a little bit about just what it's like in those kinds of environments and, and discuss that. Cause I hear home field advantage in baseball and I want to hear a player's perspective on that. Cause it's a yep. little unique, but let's jump into it, right? Like let's, let's start yep. to to make our predictions. Do you want to let's start be, with the let's Dodgers? Wrong again. Let's be yeah, wrong let's, again. I can't yeah, wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It, it, just make a prediction and be wrong about it. That's, that's what we do. Do you want to start with the Dodgers or do you want to finish? I don't even, that? I don't even know if we really need to touch on the Dodgers. We know who I'm <laughs> So okay, are the Dodgers winning at three, or they winning at four? They winning at five? Are you giving any of the D backs? We got Dodgers in four. Okay, that was Look that was that. the most nice respectable guy. answer. <laughs> um, I, I do want to talk about just kind of the way it, it's unique in terms of how the Dodgers are approaching it this year. And of course, you talk about injuries and and things like that. And of course, if you were if you were there, you'd you'd be getting the ball. But this is a, a team that you know doesn't have the the traditional. I think full rotation that we're accustomed to seeing with the Dodgers doesn't mean they don't have good arms. They have really, really good arms, but it's kind of been that Ray style of piecing it together to a degree. Obviously you yep. give Kirsch the ball and you ride Kirsch as, as far as he's going to take you, but then it gets interesting. You know, we're going to, we might see some Lance Lynn. Uh, we're going to see Emmett Sheehan throw some important innings. Like we're, yep. we're going to see different guys step up and get opportunities here. Uh, you know, what can you kind of say about this Dodgers pitching situation compared to other years? Cause again, this is still a really good team that a lot of people are expecting to win at all. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Clayton is Clayton and and then Bobby has had, you know, I would say a very similar year to my rookie year in terms of the way he throws the ball. And, and obviously we've kind of been linked and compared a little bit, but you know, I expect him to be really good. And and then we're going to piece it together. Lance is a you know veteran that, that is pitching a lot of big games and, and knows how to get, you know, big outs. Right. So, um, him and then the younger guys will, will kind of figure it out. Pepio has been really good and, and earned some innings probably. And, and then Sheehan's just kind of an interesting look, right? If, if you haven't faced him before, it, it's funky and, and explosive and, and he'll be amped up. And when he's throwing balls 98, he's, he's really, really tough. And so, you know, I, I think it's developing guys the right way and, and giving them, uh, you know, the most margin for error you can. And, and all those young guys have have some margin for error, right? Sheehan and, and Pepio has been really good. And, and then we might see Gavin Stone. We don't know. So um, he, he was the guy I was probably most excited about this year. Hasn't gone, you know, exactly how he wants. But, but in AAA, he's kind of shown that 
you know, it's in there. We just got to get it, get it right at the big league level. And so, you know, I'm excited for it. It'll be fun to, to see guys get, um, you know, their first taste of it and, and hopefully, you know, leaves us really well prepared, you know, at least selfishly for, for when I'm back. I'm so glad you mentioned Ryan Pepiot because I love Ryan Pepiot. I think he's disgusting when he's on because I think we all remember when he first came up, the stuff was plus. It's just he, frankly, didn't know where the ball was going. And, you know, he tallied up the walks. But then ever since he got called back up, the command is there. And then I feel like every single time I'm watching a Ryan Pepiot start these days, you blink and we're in the sixth inning and he's allowed three hits, no walks, couple of strikeouts. He's looked dominant. But the reason I have so much faith in the Dodgers pitching is, of course, I mean, what we're going to doubt Clayton Kershaw. I still think Lance Lynn's that grizzly veteran who's just going to come in and just throw fastballs. I dare you to hit it. And it's been working for him since he ever came over the Dodgers. And I think Bobby Miller has some of the best stuff of any young rookie. And then if we're talking about Ryan Pepio, I'm a Ryan Pepio guy, but it's the Dodgers bullpen. Like I think you guys are eight strong back there. So if you can just get four or five from these starters, it's going to be really hard to score. Like we saw that already take place I think a perfect example was the Twins versus Blue Jays series. And the Dodgers arguably have a better bullpen than both of those teams where you see scoring just shut off late yeah. in the game. Can you t- kind of talk about how much confidence the Dodgers have in, in this shutdown? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've touched on it before, but I think this this kind of new <clears throat> new age, five innings, especially in the playoffs, five innings and then hand it to four really talented guys kind of started in Kansas City. Um, with that bullpen that they had going. And, you know, I remember watching them and Credo would make a start and a guy who's thrown eight innings a million times in his career, right? And it was just get him through five. And, and then I forget all those guys, Wade Davis and those guys in Kansas City, right? And so now you kind of take that model, but you you put it on top of the payroll and the talent that we have. You know, it it makes a lot of sense on paper and, and hopefully it works out. And um but I think that seven, eight innings start in the playoffs just isn't really something that happens very much. Obviously, we talk, talked about Evaldi, but, you know, that's why it's so like, oh, got like him and Montgomery, because you just don't see those long, really, really long, high quality starts in the playoffs quite as much. Obviously, we're very excited for the Dodgers, but Diamondbacks fans listening to the show have to be pissed because they just swept the Brewers. They looked great and they are not a team that, of course, you're picking the Dodgers in four, but you are giving them a game because they do deserve that. And I could see the series going five because they are not a rollover team. They're fast. They're playing with nothing to lose. And I think that mentality can, when they get sent into Dodgers Stadium, be like, hey, we're we're being picked to lose. We're going to play with our hair on fire. And that could be a dangerous opponent. So when you're moving into the series against the Diamondbacks, What's kind of the mentality in the locker room knowing that the other team is coming in with nothing to lose? Yeah, I mean, I obviously last year's the San Diego thing is is a little bit different in terms of your playing a division team, but San Diego just they kind of had the full expectation of being there, right? But outside of last year, you know, the past six, seven, eight, nine years, that's kind of how we've always felt everyone's gonna be, right? Like that's just kind of how it has been. And so you've got a lot of guys that have dealt with that. And and even the guys that are new to the organization this year, or past couple of years, like mostly have come from pretty good teams and, and have been a part of that. Obviously, Jay Hay with the Cubs and J.D. Martinez with the Red Sox. And um, you just kind of have have had that previously. So um, I'm not super worried about them handling that. I think the, the only kind of disadvantage is just that Arizona, those guys have played in Dodger Stadium a lot, right? They haven't seen it in the playoffs and and how crazy it can get there. But, um, you know, it's not like, you know, we went to play – my first time at Fenway was in the World Series, right? Like, it's not that kind of, oh, God, I've never been here situation. And, um, you know, they'll they'll get a playoff game at home, which will be cool for them. And, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting series. And – uh, we'll kind of see how how it goes. 
I think the series that everybody has circled is is Philadelphia versus Atlanta because you know yep. you, you get to run it back on last year where, where there was the upset. You also have a Philly team that you know is even more fortified maybe than last year, and a Braves team that was historically dominant, especially on the offensive side of things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the bank and things like that because that was a cool experience for me. You know, I went there in the World Series when when they played the Rays. 2008, 2009, but you know, I, I couldn't really appreciate it to the degree I just did. It's, it's a special environment. How much does that play a factor here when you have a, a Braves team filled with superstars? Um, like how much does, does the environment really impact a baseball game for a road team? Yeah. I mean, both those stadiums are, are going to be electric, right? I've, I've experienced Atlanta and it's gone pretty poorly for me there, but it, it's wild, right? Like, the new Atlanta stadium is really cool. And um, I haven't experienced Philly like in that kind of atmosphere yet, but uh, we kind of know Philadelphia and, and the sports fans and, and how they operate. So um, yeah, that, that series could be, I don't know if it'll break attendance records that, you know, if the capacity is enough, it might, but um, they're definitely going to be two electric parks in that series. The way I think about the series is the Phillies beat them last year a Ronald Acuna-less Braves team. They were still yep. great, but they didn't have this generational type player at the top of their yep. lineup. And now you got the Braves pissed. So you got an <laughs> angry, motivated, Ronald Acuna-led Braves team. But at the yep. same time, give Philly credit. They didn't have Trey Turner last year, your old right. teammate, who's also been a stud. And whenever the lights turn on, he turns into Superman. So... Yep. I think that this series between the Braves and the Phillies has the possibility to be one of the greatest series in the 21st century. Like we have two juggernauts, but there's also revenge narratives. I'm taking the over a half brawl. There's going to be so many home runs. I cannot wait to watch this series. And you got people on Philly picking the Phillies. Clearly you got people in Atlanta saying the Braves are going to sweep them. Yeah. Who wins? Um, I mean, obviously, I think offensively, Atlanta has been kind of an outlier in terms of of the year they've had. Um, But, you know, Philly has a lot of professional hitters and and some real superstar type talent. I think I'll probably go Atlanta, but I I think kind of touching on what we did earlier, I think in large part because Wheeler Nola we'll probably both get one start, right? And so I think that's – Wheeler has been unbelievable in the playoffs. I think people don't really talk about him enough in in that way. He's obviously, you know, a big boy starting pitcher, but has been really good in the playoffs. And um, I think that's the the disadvantage of of playing in the wild card, right, is is that guy's probably only going to get to run out there once. And so I'll, I'll take Atlanta just purely based on that. I like that. And and it makes sense. And, and it's interesting on the other side, how much is Max Fried going to be able to go and, and how, how far are they going to push him? And um, from that perspective, it's going to be interesting. But to your point that the Braves are going to be able to swing it uh, going to the American League side. I'm I'm really excited. I think if you just looked at the logos, I don't think like a casual fan or, or maybe a, a neutral sports fan would be as excited about these series. But if you look at the rosters and if you followed the, the year, you know, of, of all of these teams, these are some really fun series. Let's start with Texas and Baltimore, which these yep. were two of the best teams in baseball. Obviously, Baltimore was you know, the most dominant team in the American League for, for the majority of the season. Texas at one point looked like the best team ever um, and then finished strong. And, and now we're, we're seeing what they look like. This is going to be a really fun one. A lot of young talent, some vets sprinkled in, and I think a lot of energy in this one. How do you think it goes? Yeah, who? Who's throwing game one for those two teams? Well, it game. might it might be Scherzer. So Scherzer threw a light bullpen session last week. Yeah, I saw. Um, that. And this is a quote from him: "Last week was a light bullpen. This one was real. I was yeah. able to step on it more, and it was pain free. So it's not out yet that he's going to be the starter, but it does seem like he's trending towards being able to pitch at least. Yeah." But it might be and then who goes who goes for Baltimore? Probably Bradish. Probably Bradish. I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I think you've kind of got obviously the more veteran team in Texas, and um, 
I don't know. It's hard because you feel like the young talent could get real electric or they could, you know, freeze. I don't really know those guys much, but I don't know. My gut says Texas, but, uh, you know, I think I could be very wrong. I don't I don't know. I share a very similar gut feeling to you. I said it um, when we did the wild card predictions first that I thought the Rays would upset the Orioles because I personally think the Orioles are building a dynasty. And this is kind of their first year reaching those heights. And they're still led by a lot of really, really young players. So in a big moment like this, do they falter a little bit, learn from it? And then the next couple of years, they really make their World Series run. But with that said, Adley Rutschman has never lost a series. So (laughs) these guys could just be an anomaly. They could just be a special young group that is led by an excellent manager and Adley Rutschman and company just continue that. So my gut says when we look back on the year 2023, this was the first year of what is the Orioles dynasty. And in a couple of years, they finally make it because the Texas Rangers are no slouches. If their offense is on. They roll teams. They scored seven runs in that last game, and it kind of seemed like a ho-hum type game. So I'm taking the Rangers, but I am not confident in it at all. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's kind of you know young versus old. It's a it's a weird one, but um I I feel like if more of the young guys in Baltimore so Adley played in the World Series, college world series and stuff like that, like I think that's as close as you can get, right? A lot of these guys that they brought up were high school draft picks. And, and so this is their first, like, giant games, right? Like, you know, in your peer group or whatever. Like, for us, going to Omaha is the playoffs. You know, it's obviously not the same level or or the same deal, but at least there's a little bit of, like, I've done this before. And, you know, I feel like if it was three or four of their guys had played in the World Series and, and whatever – I think, you know, I could be completely wrong, but I think Retchman's probably the one guy that was college pick and and went and did that stuff. So, um, yeah, I got the Rangers, I think. Yeah. And, and G-Rod is a big X factor as we broke him down a few episodes ago, but big spot for him as a guy that, you know, seemed to really find it at the end of the year. But again, he's never thrown in the postseason against a lineup that doesn't seem like it has a break, especially with the way Evan Carter's playing. It's one through nine pretty much right now. You are you are yep. on edge with that lineup. Uh, going to the other side of the American League, this is going to be a fun one. And 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 I, I'm all in on the Twins. I think they're going to make a, a little bit of a run here. But we got Twins Astros, and this is experience has been a trend to this Walker. It's been a, a common yep. thread of of what we've been talking about here. And there may not be a team, you know, other than maybe you guys, that is more experienced in terms of just playing in the postseason and, and just been there, done that than the Houston Astros, obviously yeah. the twins just won their first you know, playoff game in a very long time and first playoff series. And, and what feels like forever, this is going to be a fun one in a lot of ways. And, and I think the twins can pitch. They're starting to swing it really well. The Astros, I think are as vulnerable as they have looked in years, but that's just because they've set the bar so high for themselves. Where do things stack up for you here? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the Correa going back to Houston thing is interesting. I think for me personally, I was very happy for Sonny and, and the way that he threw the ball. Uh, um, I, I think Minnesota's got that little fearless thing that we were talking about with Baltimore, yeah. but they're doing it with more veteran players. Um, I think this is probably the hardest pick. I'll go with Minnesota just because of Sonny and, and knowing him and knowing a couple of their relievers, but um, you know, him and Farmer and Griffin Jacks is a buddy of mine. I, I, I think I'm going to go with, with Minnesota, but um, it, it's also hard to pick against Houston just with the kind of success they've had um, in the playoffs. We'll see how, how the lefty for Houston is. I know he was off to a really good start and then it kind of got rockier. So uh, we'll see what kind of form he's in. But yeah, you know, I think we have some really good series and some really cool um some teams with some youth that are that are doing some stuff, which is cool. I like how you call him the lefty from Houston. Yeah, you know, just like a left-hander in their <laughs> rotation, you know, forever. Um, no, we're all pro uh, Minnesota on this podcast, and it's not anti-Astros. Yeah. I just think last year, the team like the Phillies 
was kind of caught lightning in a bottle and they had the recipe in order to make a deep run. Excellent starting rotation, great bullpen and a couple of big boppers. And that's what I think the twins have in order to shock some people. Now, yeah, I, think baseball, I think it's also, yeah. I think it's also interesting. There, there was rumors swirling about Buxton even coming back for the wild card round. So uh, who knows if he, if he gets back, but like we've kind of seen when he's on the field, he, he's almost, you know, he's in that upper echelon of, of major league players. And, so, yeah. you know, hopefully for them, they get him back. And, and that could be another thing that, that people aren't really uh, talking about yet. And Arm made a great point, too, because this is the most vulnerable the Astros have ever been, right? Justin Verlander does not have a great track record in the playoffs. Framber Valdez has been great at times and inconsistent at times. Christian Javier was through a no-hitter in the World Series and we thought, well, the Astros just found another diamond in the rough. I mean, this guy's amazing. But then the regular season, we saw this stuff tick down a little bit. They've also had some injuries to their starting rotation. And we talk about young players. Hunter Brown is probably going to be put in a big spot. And he has sputtered down the line. So I think the difference between the Twins and the Orioles, I think you made an excellent point there. While the Royce Lewises, the Edward Juliens, like they do have young guys in the lineup. They also have Carlos Correa and right. Joe Ryan is going to go up in game one, most likely against Justin Verlander. You talk about how the three starter, it puts that team at a disadvantage. That ain't no three starter when right. he's healthy. He was on track to potentially win the American League Cy Young. No. So I'm, I got the twins. And if the twins then beat the Astros and they got the Rangers or the Orioles, they could seriously make a run to the World Series. I have gone from, you know what, at the beginning of the season, I think the Guardians, they've earned it. I'm going to pick them to win the division. Now I'm a full-fledged Twins believer. I'm in. I'm in, Walker. I'm in. Uh, the other thing is both the Rangers and Houston, you're talking about domed teams, right? If Minnesota gets through, starts getting a little chilly, not everyone's used to that. That's another mm. little bit of a factor. I'm just saying. These are the little things no one thinks about unless it, you have to be on the field for that. <laughs> like that's something that wouldn't have even crossed my mind. It's a good point. Yeah. I'll, and and I'll tell you what, some of the Florida kids, uh, California kids, uh, depending on what part, Texas kids, and then, you know, the Latin America guys, they don't like the cold, man. We, we, we don't, we, I could barely hold a bat under 50 degrees. Like I was scared to swing. So the stage is set here where we have our predictions to get to, you know, what will be the the, the final four teams after this. We'll do an episode then where we're going to discuss you know, the predictions then, because, of course, things change. You know, you'll kind of have an idea of which pitchers were used, uh, which guys right. had to go into short rest, what bullpens were used and, and, and see how some of these young teams respond in these series. So looking forward to doing additional predictions as we get to the next round. But to wrap up on on all of the playoff games that we have to look forward to on Saturday and any series that we have to look forward to besides your, your own teams, which are you most excited for Walker? Cause I think you can make the case for a few of these different series to be really fun in different ways. And I think the narrative I'm most excited about, as you alluded to Correa going back to Houston on another playoff yeah. team, that's awesome, but that's just one part of it. What series are you most excited for? You know, touching on the Correa thing, obviously that last game, you see like two giant plays made by him, right? The I had to talk about the back pick because we've only spent about 7,000 hours doing that pickoff play in college. So, um, Corbs, Sonny, nice work. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the the kind of ricochet ball that he throws home and, and, you know, you just see it in playoff games, guys that are comfortable there end up making plays like that, right? Like, you know, obviously Korea from Houston and, and our relationship in LA, but that that's a semi jeter against the A's kind of play, right? It's just something that doesn't happen much and and it takes kind of a special player to make it. So I think that's a big one. I, I think, you know, we've touched on it a few times. I think the youth versus kind of the veteran thing will, will be huge in, in all of these series. Obviously us versus Arizona and the, and the Baltimore series. So we'll see how it all goes. Braves Phillies. I just cannot keep my mind off that series. Yeah. It, it is it, going to be. It feels like a feels like a CS series. It? Feels kind of like a World Series to me. And the fact that it's in Division Two, right in the American League, there's no interdivision series here. But in the National League, you're facing a division rival, and the Braves and Phillies are a division rival. That doesn't often happen. 
kind of got it's kind of got shades of us versus the Giants a few years ago to yeah. me. Which was electric. I mean, that was yeah. one that everybody was really pumped up for. So your answer, most exciting series, Phillies Braves. Yeah, I mean, it, it's two like kind of proven commodities, right? Yeah. The other one that we're kind of speculating, like we know it's going to be a good series, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the the last question I have for you: Who steps up for the Dodgers outside the obvious in this series? Who are you looking at? Where you're like, I think I think he's going to have a nice little series here. Um, I think Bobby Miller. I'm, I'm excited. I love about it. And I love see how, it. He kinda, how he handles it. Obviously he's kind of passed everything with, with flying colors and, and this is the next thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for him. I, I'm excited I, to see Lance Lynn do kind of a nut grab <laughs> after he gets a strikeout. Just be like, that'll mm. happen. yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. Uh, and it seems like Bobby's the kind of guy that's, that's ready for the big stage. So We'll, we'll let you get to your weekend here, but uh, we've got your predictions. We've got you on record. So, you know, you, yep. as long as what I've learned is as long as you don't go reverse, like if you don't reverse sweep, you're fine. You can go yep. one and three. No one cares. You know, but right. if you go over four, then all of a sudden there's there's just a different beast. So just don't go over yep. four. And and I think we're good. Yeah, right. don't don't pick the Rays to win the World Series. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> We got opening day at Keeneland today, boys. I'm ready to go. So I'm excited. Awesome. Absolutely, man. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. I hope you pick the right horse and uh, be a lot of fun. We will do more predictions with you next week, and we'll be talking about the next series. Sounds good. See you guys. That was the predictions episode with Dodgers right-hander Walker Bueller. If you enjoyed this episode, we would greatly appreciate leaving five stars, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. How about the like button and comment anything the three of us said that was completely egregious because I know we're not perfect. Blue Jays fans, I'm looking at you. Let me know. Maybe an apology. I would appreciate it. I love you, Blue Jays fans. I got to give it to you if you're going to give it to me and get yourself some Just Baseball merch. We're right in the thick of October. I'm wearing a polo. I'm wearing the hat. Arms wearing the hat. We all got Just Baseball merch. Go check it out in the episode description. And all of this, of course, is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use code Just Baseball if you want to make any sprinkles on your favorite team to win the World Series. At least get some bonus money out of it when you use your heart to bet and you eventually lose. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. At least get that free coin. That's Arm. I'm Peter. With that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.